Aloha, this is Pastor Perry, and I want to thank you for joining us online to study the Word of God together. We pray that you will be blessed as the Holy Spirit ministers to you through this message and through God's Word. Good morning. All right, I'll be reading from Genesis 3, verses 1 through 5. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Chris, thanks for doing our reading today. Wow. So good to be up here with you. So glad you're here. So many things to be grateful for. Would you pray with me as we prepare hearts for the message this morning? Our Heavenly Father, you are wonderful, you're beautiful, gorgeous, magnificent, splendid. You're kind, you're thoughtful, you're gracious, you're forgiving. You always want our best. You're powerful. Lord, we just love you and we praise you and we thank you for the goodness you've brought into our lives and the goodness that you promised for all eternity. Lord, everyone comes here with issues, with stuff, with hardships, with challenges, as well as joys and victories. And Lord, I personally want to pray for each one here, not only in the room, but watching us online around the world, that you'd minister to each of us according to our needs and what is best. But like the song we sang, that the struggles that we have would create new wine in us, Lord, and that we give you the glory even when we don't understand the trials. For the joys that we're experiencing, Lord, help us to see them and appreciate them and relish them. Lord, we continue to pray for those who are struggling health-wise and ask you to touch them with your grace, your mercy, and your healing touch. And we ask now, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would speak and speak through me to us through your word, that we might hear the truth and obey and become more like your son, Jesus. In whose name we offer these prayers. Amen. I'll Be Back is one of the top 100 quoted movie lines of all history. As you know, it was said by Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 1984 movie Terminator, and he came back. He kept his promise, and Maybe he came back too many times. There were like five more Terminators after that. He said he'd come back. The day after the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941, the Japanese launched an invasion of the Philippines. And U.S. General Douglas MacArthur was the commander of the Southwest Pacific in World War II, and he had made the Philippines his adopted home. And the president at that time was President Franklin Roosevelt, who ordered Douglas to 
Douglas MacArthur to leave the Philippines, lest the Japanese capture him. And so reluctantly, the general left the Philippines, and he went to Australia with his family, where he gave the now famous I Will Return speech. On October 20th, 1944, General MacArthur returned to the Philippines. He kept his promise. And on a radio broadcast, after wading ashore to the Philippines, on a radio broadcast, he said, People of the Philippines, I have returned. And General MacArthur and his troops subsequently defeated the Japanese, freeing the island nation. Both Arnold Schwarzenegger and General MacArthur promised to return, and he did. They did. I never made such a promise to you. <laughs> when you're on life support in a drug-induced coma, you can't do anything for yourself. And that's where you came in. You came in online. You prayed for me. And God kept his promise to answer your prayers. He doesn't always say yes. In my case, he kept saying yes, and I'm grateful for that, and miracle after miracle. But because of you, because of you, because of our God, because of the nurses and doctors who were God's hands, I'm able to stand here today and once again preach God's Word. Praise God. Today, I'm not going to rehearse all the details of what I call the event <laughs> of April 22nd. If you want to know the details, there's a video recorded sermon entitled, You Are Needed, and it was recorded on August 22nd, if you want the details. Suffice it to say, and for anyone who doesn't know what happened, when you get hit head-on by a Toyota Camry while riding your motorcycle, it is a most unpleasant circumstance. Today is about the return. We all experience returns in life, and some of the returns are good, and some are bad. Some returns are momentous, and some are rather trivial. Returning something to Amazon is trivial, and it's quite easy now. You can just take it to Whole Foods or, or the UPS store, and they package it and send it back for you. Some returns are momentous, like the return of a war hero, specifically your war hero. And some returns are greatly anticipated, like going back to Grandma's house <laughs> or Wet n Wild or Disney World. But there's a return I want to talk about today that is the most anticipated, most desired return known to all mankind. And we'll get to that return shortly, but first I want to talk about the great departure. Because before you can have a return, you need to first have had some kind of departure. We're going to talk about today the departure of all departures, the departure that has affected you personally, your family personally, a departure that has affected the entire human race throughout history. It's the very first departure, and we might call that departure paradise lost, paradise lost. I find it interesting that even the most unchurched person normally is aware of this departure, of the loss of paradise. It's described for us in Genesis 
chapter 3, and Genesis is the book of beginnings, and Genesis, as you might have hoped, is a Greek word, <laughs> and it means beginnings, and that's why we go to it for the beginning. And if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, and if you'll excuse uh, my Bible in Genesis chapter 3, my Bible was with me on that fateful day, and it flew through the intersection with me and ended up like this, and I don't know who gathered it up. I just found it by my bedside in ICU, and I couldn't lift my arms to hold it for quite a while, but I'm grateful to have it. I've had it for 50 years, and someone says, well, why haven't you replaced it? Well, I haven't learned everything in this one yet. <laughs> so if you can find Genesis 3 in your Bible, I'd like you to turn there with me, verses 22 to 24, Paradise Lost. Verse 22 of Genesis 3. Oh, by the way, someone asked me, Pastor, where would you get out of your Bible today? <laughs> well, I got Genesis 3 out of my Bible. <laughs> Genesis 3:22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us. Us is plural because we have a triune God, one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so they commune with one another. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and now, lest he stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever, dot, dot, dot. God doesn't even finish the sentence. This is God's mercy. Mankind has sinned, and if he eats of the tree of life, he will live forever in a sinful state. And that would be horrible. And so God, out of his mercy, guarded the tree so that man would not live forever in a sinful state because God had a better plan. It goes on to say, verse 23, therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden. I was reading in what's called the Septuagint. It's a Greek translation of the Old Testament. Old Testament was written in Hebrew originally, but the earliest Greek translation it's called the Septuagint. It's from, I think, the 3rd century B.C., and I was reading part of it, and I noticed that Garden of Eden, the word garden is a Greek word, paradisos, from which we get paradise. The garden, the paradise of Eden. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the paradise of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out and at the east of the garden or paradise of Eden, he stationed the cherubim, that's plural for cherub, by the way, which means there's more than one, and the flaming sword which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. And paradise was lost. And the loss of paradise has been felt by every single person who has ever lived since Adam and Eve. We all are craving to return to paradise, whether we recognize it or realize it or not. And this leads us to our first of three principles this morning. Number one, and if you're watching online, if you go to our website, you can hit what's called a button there, and you can find our outlines, or if you came in the room, there are outlines at the tables there. Number one, a craving for something better is always, always a craving for the return to paradise. A craving for something better is always a craving for the return to Paris. Why do you always want things to be better? Why are you never satisfied? Why is nothing ever good enough? Because we weren't supposed to live in a sinful world. 
that's decaying and falling apart. We were made to live in paradise forever. And so, you you and I are craving paradise. Why is it that you never have enough money? Even when you have more, it's never enough because you're craving something better. Why is it that dream vacation, that once-in-a-life vacation, isn't enough? You need a second one and a third one ad infinitum. Why is it that your perfect marriage, your perfect child, isn't? Because we don't live in paradise. But every time you crave for something better, you are craving, whether you realize it or not, for what you were made for. You and I were made for paradise. Why is it that America just hit a horrible high of 100,000 drug overdoses per year? Because people are craving paradise. Why is it that suicide is a number 10th cause of death here in America? Because life could be better. Because we're craving paradise. Everyone is craving for something better. Like no mask. (laughs) Someone said, what's it like coming back after seven months? Well, it's kind of weird because I haven't had to wear a mask for seven months, except for when I went to the doctor. Even when you're a patient in the hospital, you don't have to wear a mask, you know? So why are you all wearing masks? (laughs) No, I know it's the rule. It's the law, and you're respecting it. I appreciate that. But we want something better. We want COVID gone. We want masks gone. We want back to what we had. But what we had isn't what we had in 2019. What we want goes all the way back to year one. We want paradise. We're craving something better. So how do we get back to paradise? Well, let me tell you, there's only one path back to paradise. And I'm not going to tell you that path. Until later in the sermon. So you have to keep listening. You have to keep watching. But there's only one path. But people keep trying to find other paths back to paradise. And they're the wrong paths. A craving for something better is always a craving for the return to paradise. So what on God's good earth could motivate Adam and Eve to lose paradise? Well, turn with me to Genesis chapter Three and give me a moment to figure out where it is. <laughs> there it is. Genesis 3, verses 4 and 5. Genesis 3, 4 says, And the serpent, that's the devil, said to the woman, That's Eve, you surely shall not die. God said you'd die if you eat the tree. Satan says you won't die. Bold-faced lie. For God knows in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and notice the next words, You will be like God knowing good and evil. Did you see what it said there, what motivated them to give up paradise? They wanted to play God, thinking that they, not God, knew what was best for them. And all the human race has been trying to play God ever since. 
plunging ourselves and the world around us into ever deeper darkness and pain and suffering. God gave Adam and Eve just one rule. See that tree over there? Beautiful, isn't it? Isn't the fruit gorgeous? Don't eat from it. And Adam and Eve broke that rule. Why? Because they believed the lie. The lie. And unfortunately, you and I believe the lie as well. What's the lie? What's the lie given by Satan that we can dismiss God out of our lives and do as we please and everything will turn out great? Or to put it more succinctly, the big lie is that if you want to be happy, you should play God. The nonsense that's going around the world that you create your own truth, that's playing God. It is the lie. Oh, it's come back around in a different form. Oh, you have your truth. I have my truth. You know, that's the lie. God is truth. He is the source of truth. And to reject God and reject His truth is to play God. Now, I'd like you to turn with me to Romans chapter 1. I want to point out something to you that I didn't point out when we were in that chapter earlier in the series in Truth Matters, but I want to point it out to you now. And it's something that's easily missed by the English reader, depending on your translation, and it's in Romans 1.25. It describes the lie the mother of all lies. Romans 1, 25. Verse 25 says, For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, in your version, your English version, it probably says a lie. My Bible happens to have a marginal note there that says, literally, it is the lie. Some of you might have the New King James Version. It translates it correctly, the lie. Most English translations don't translate the Greek literally here. They put a lie rather than the lie. Well, what is the lie? It's not just any lie. It's the lie. Well, let's find out. Let's go back. First part of verse 25. They exchanged the truth of God, and literally in the original Greek it says for the lie, the lie. And what is this lie? Look at the second half of verse 25. They worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. In other words, man replaced himself. I mean, put himself in the place of God. He replaced God with himself. He replaced God with a cow, a monkey, a rat and worshiped creatures rather than the Creator. And that is the lie. It's to play God and to replace God with yourself. Now, I want to make something clear so you're not confused. I mean, well, you might be confused about a lot of things, but just so you're not confused about this one thing. Yes, you are to be like Jesus. That's the plan, God's plan given in Romans 8.29. It couldn't be any clearer. Be conformed to the image of Christ. That's the plan, Romans 8.29. But you're not to be God. You're to be like Jesus in His perfect humanity. 
You're not to be his deity. Jesus is perfect humanity. In other words, you should be gracious. You should be patient. You should be kind. You should be forgiving. You should be merciful. You should have that character of Jesus in you. Like Jesus, yes. God, never. We're never to be like little gods. And that brings us to our second most important principle today, number two. Try to be like Jesus. Try to be like Jesus, but don't try to play God. It's tragic how we turn that around. And we try to play God, and we don't act anything like Jesus. We think that what we believe is always the right way to believe, that we are always right. As if our view of politics or our view of mask wearing or vaccines or gender or our view of the best place to get Mexican food is always right. By the way, if you know a really good place to get Mexican food, tell me after the service. I'm guessing it's not going to be here in Hawaii, but if it is, you know. Uh, I grew up in Southern California, so you understand. Okay, where was I? Lunchtime. <laughs> the world, your home, your office, the church, your very own heart would be a much better place if you and I quit playing God. Try to be like Jesus. Don't try to play God. Pray to God, yes. Play God, never. Truth matters. And while our world has exchanged the truth for the lie, you and I are called to return to the truth and reject the lie. We need to return to the truth. Why? Because, and this is number three on your outline there, the third principle, you must return to the truth before you can return to paradise. You must return to the truth before you return to paradise. After what I call the event of last April, I woke up. Not only could I not walk, not only could I not stand, I couldn't move my legs. I looked down there and goes, oh, whose legs are those? <laughs> there was nothing left, just bone and skin. I couldn't hold my Bible. I had trouble concentrating. And I had to make a decision. I had to face the truth of what bad shape I was in. And if I wanted to return, I had to do something about it. And so I had to work through it, the discomfort, the pain, the loss. Because I wanted to return and be able to stand here today and walk up on the stage without even a cane and preach the word of God. And it's by the grace of God I've returned. And it's by the grace of God that we can return to paradise. Because paradise has been lost and a great sacrifice has been paid so you and I can return. Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross. He paid for our sins. And He did that he went through the worst of circumstances so we could return to paradise. The Bible starts with paradise lost. 
It ends in the very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, with paradise found. Look with me at Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 and 2, where John the Apostle is having a vision, and the angel showing him paradise. And in Revelation 22, verse 1, it says this, and he showed me a river of the water of life. It's living water, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God, that's God the Father, and the throne of the Lamb, that's the Son. And the middle of its street, that river is flowing through the middle of the street, and on either side of the river was a tree of life. There it is. And it's bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit in every month. 12 kinds of fruit, like apple, banana, mango, strawberry, is that on a tree? <laughs> you know, I mean, amazing tree. And notice, it's for the healing of the nations. And in Greek, the nations, the ethnos, ethnicity, has nothing to do with boundaries. It has to do with people groups. It's saying every race is there, and racism is healed. Every culture is there. Every tribe and tongue is there. And the nations have finally been healed, and we get along. There's no this supremacy and that supremacy. There's no denigration of that and, and denigration of the other. We're healed, and that would be paradise, and that's what we're craving right now. But you only get to paradise if you follow the right path. In John 14, 6, Jesus tells us He is that path. Jesus says, I am the way, and maybe you've heard me tell this before, but the Greek word there in the Bible, way, is a Greek word, odos, and it's just a Greek word that means street. When I used to live in Greece, I lived on odos demokratias, that means democracy street. And if you wanted to get my house, you couldn't take anarchy street, you couldn't take socialism street or communism street. You had to take Democratias, Democracy Street. And you go, well, I don't want to take that street. Well, then you're not going to get to my house. And you go, well, that's really narrow thinking. <laughs> really? <laughs> Truth is narrow. And Jesus was really narrow-minded. And he says, if you want to go to my father's house, you got to take the right street. And that street, the name is Jesus. Yeah. I am the street, the path. And the truth with a capital T. And the life, the life eternal. And no one comes to the Father's house but through me by taking the right street. There's only one path to paradise. And it's got Jesus' name on it. You've got to come back to the truth because the truth is the only way to get to paradise, and the truth is a capital T, and that truth is Jesus. I've returned. Have you? Let's all return to the truth so we can return to paradise. Would you pray with me? If you're watching online, I'd still like to invite you to bow your heads and pray. I'd like you to look at your hearts. You crave paradise. Are you on the path there? Jesus Christ died for your sins. He rose from the grave. He conquered death. Have you put your faith in Him? If you haven't, I urge you right now. There's no better time. Do it right now. Cry out to Jesus and say, I believe. Save me. And He will. 
Lord Jesus, thank you for making the truth clear. We believe. Help us to share that belief with others so they too can come back to paradise. So they too can have their longings, their wishes, their desires all fulfilled. We love you, Lord Jesus. We praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.